week in all. Listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings, Voice of America listeners. This is VOA Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the February 22nd edition of the sunny side of sports. Major League Soccer has officially kicked off its 29th season in Florida, where Lionel Messi and Inter-Miami defeated Real Salt Lake Wednesday night 2-0. Messi helped set up both goals by the Finn Robert Taylor in the 39th minute and the Paraguayan Diego Gomez in the 83rd minute. Now on that second goal, Messi led a counterattack with Luis Suarez, his longtime Barcelona teammate who was making his MLS debut. Messi looked to be in mid-season form, darting through and around defenders and almost scoring a goal off a free kick. Speaking after the match, Inter-Miami's head coach, Gerardo Tata Martino, who, like Messi, is from Argentina, said, and I quote, I saw Messi playing free on the field and with the same fine touch he always had. And he showed some speed, too. European club football. Porto and Inter Milan scored victories at home this week, while Napoli and PSV Eindhoven drew against their visiting opponents. In first leg round of 16 UEFA Champions League matches. Let's take a look at the results. Porto edged Muckbill Yabarro's beloved Arsenal 1-0 on a late goal. We'll get Muckbill's reaction later in the show. Inter, uh, Inter Milan defeated Atletico Madrid 1-0. Napoli and Barcelona drew one all. Victor Osiman, Nigeria's 2023 African Footballer of the Year, scored the equalizer for Napoli in the 75th minute. And PSV Eindhoven and Borussia Dortmund drew one all. For reaction to the latest round of UEFA Champions League matches, Iron Mike Mbonye spoke with African football analyst Zazie Barisa. This round of Champions League matches, talking about the first leg round of 16, turned out to be a bit too quiet, relatively though, because when you look at the eight games that were decided, you could see that there was not so much excitement, not so much explosion, not so much drama. Perhaps except the game in Portugal yesterday when FC Porto got a late, late, late winner against Arsenal. But if you take that out, there weren't too many dramatic headlines about this round of Champions League matches. And understandably so, it is the first legs. You know, they were the first legs. So many of the teams, especially the away teams, come into these games a bit more conservative than they ordinarily would be. But that's not to take to take anything away from the from the round of matches because there were still things to rejoice about when you look at the goals they they say that goals excite matches and the goals were a plenty in this round eight matches producing 14 goals that's about an average of 1.75 goals per game that's not a bad return at all and 
interestingly all games produced at least one goal there was no game that was barring in terms of the score line but the problem is there were too many games that in terms of the performance in terms of the display it was just largely underwhelming. For instance, the game last night between Napoli and FC Barcelona, that was a largely underwhelming game. Maybe except the last 10 minutes or thereabouts when Napoli eventually came to the party and tried to force a win, but largely it was an underwhelming game. Perhaps the biggest um, performers of the round would have to be, uh, you know, Real Madrid and um, Man City who of course went on the road and were able to get convincing results. Inter Milan also were able to get that win against Atletico Madrid in the first leg at home. So we've just mentioned three of the four semi-finalists from last season doing their business in the first leg. Do you know if African players contributed to the successes recorded by teams during the first leg of UEFA Champions League round of 16 games? Talking about the performances of African players in the first leg round of 16 matches in the Champions League, the standout man has to be Victor Simeon. Of course, because he was the African player who got a goal, and it turned out to be a very important goal that equalizer against FC Barcelona. And that goal has given Napoli a glimpse of hope going into the second fixture that's the second leg now at the no camp without that goal of course it would be a really really difficult um, task for them to go out there and be able to you know gain qualification but you know having secured a draw at home um, they forced a draw Victor Simen got that goal uh, Napoli now stand a chance you know going to the no camp so he has to be the standout man getting the goal on his return from the Afghan, um, you know, under a new manager, he was able to prove once again why he is the prince of Naples. Sporty greeting, this is Victor Simeon, Super Eagles of Nigeria and Napoli FC forward. You're listening to the sunny side of thoughts on the voice of America. But apart from Victor Simeon and his goal scoring heroes continuing, there was also a certain Sambo Anguiza who was able to put up a very good performance in that same game in the midfield of Napoli. He put up a very good performance in that game. There were other notable African players who performed really well in their games. There was Ashraf Hakimi. He had a solid 90 minutes show against um, for PSG against Real Sociedad. They won that game by two goals to nothing. And um, another Moroccan, he's also you know, a fullback that's talking about Nusea Mazari. Of course, he was able to bag a 90 minute show against uh, for, Bath for Bayern Munich against um, Lazio. They lost that game 1 0 over there in Rome, but of course, he bagged 90 minutes. So, when you're looking at the eight games, these are the African players that you would say, okay, perhaps um, they stood out in the round of 16 first leg matches. What are the chances of the big names or teams in the second leg games of the UEFA Champions League round of 16? When you look at it, you will see that the big teams are still very much in it. Because when you look at the likes of Real Madrid and 
Manchester City, they were able to get convincing wins on the road. Man City, in fact, seemed to have done the business already. They seemed to have sealed qualification already, one leg already in the next round with that 3-1 win against Copenhagen. That was quite a convincing performance and it looks a bit unsurmountable for their opponent. So it's pretty much safe to say that Man City are one leg in the quarterfinals already. And when you look at um, Real Madrid, of course, they were able to travel to Germany and get that 1-0 win against RB Leipzig. Brahim Diaz with the goal in the second half there. So these two teams seem to have done the most of their jobs and could be called one foot already in the next round. Of course, there were other teams talking about um, Inter Milan. They were able to get a win against Atletico Madrid that was there in Italy. It's still very dicey for them, but um, when you look at it, I've just mentioned three of the four semi-finalists from last season doing the job in the first leg. Um, there were some of the big boys that um, did not quite come to the party. For instance, Bayern Munich. One would have expected that Bayern Munich in their right elements will be able to pick up something at least in Rome against Lazio. But of course, their poor domestic form you know, extended into the Champions League and they lost that one 1-0. One of course, it's not over for them because one would expect that a 1-0 scoreline can be overturned in the return fixture at the Alliance Arena. But when you look at their current form, then it leaves a lot to be feared for them. But generally, there is none of the big teams that you can say at this time is out of it. They are all still very much in it. And it's looking like the round, the quarterfinal stage will be full of them. That's African football analyst Zazie Barisa. And Zazie spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Aba, Nigeria. Sporting greetings. This is Zazi Bariza. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on the Voice of America. Want to relax, unwind, or charge up? Then listen to Music Time in Africa this weekend. It'll do all that for you and more. I'm Heather Maxwell. I know good music. And Africa is my passion. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for one hour of commercial-free, pan-African music of the highest caliber. You get great music, music news, and amazing artist interviews from rising stars to superstars. This listen will take you places. So do it. Join me for Music Time in Africa, your weekend destination. Hundreds of mourners on Thursday accompanied the casket of marathon world record holder Kelvin Kiptum on its way to his home village, where the young star will be laid to rest. Reuters reporter Alice Rizzo tells us more. Singing hymns and holding hands, Mourners walked alongside a convoy, carrying Calvin Kipton's flower-lined casket as it's headed to his home village. 
The procession for the marathon world record holder departed a morgue in the western Kenyan city of Eldoret on Thursday. 24-year-old Kiptum was killed in a car crash alongside his coach, Gervais Hakizimana, earlier this month. He lost control of the vehicle he was driving and crashed into a tree in Kenya's Rift Valley. The pathologist's report said he died of head injuries. Kiptum had only run three marathons, but each was among the fastest seven times ever recorded. In October last year, he set the world record at the Chicago Marathon in two hours and 35 seconds. He had hoped to break two hours in Rotterdam this April and was expected to make his Olympic debut in Paris. The casket will travel about 80 kilometers on its way from Eldoret to Chipsamo, where Kiptum worked as a livestock herder before becoming a professional runner. Kiptum is survived by his wife and two young children. He will be buried on Friday. And thanks to Alice Rizzo of Reuters for that report. Joining us once again on the sunny side of sports is my VOA colleague, Muckbill Yabaro. Sporty greetings, Muckbill. Sporty greetings, Sonny. What's going on? Muckbill, Kelvin Kiptum, such a sad story, world record holder, prime of his career, and his death early in an Olympic year. Your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's definitely very, very tragic, as you mentioned, in particular for Kenya, Kenya Athletics, uh, ahead of the uh, Olympics in Paris uh, 2024. I think uh, he, you know, would have been expected uh, potentially to win some big races for uh, for Kenya. All in all, it's just, you know, uh, super sad. I know uh, President Ruto also, uh, I believe he was one of the reasons why the uh, – funeral was delayed so that he could uh yes yeah, you know, he could partake yeah so he could partake in it but it just goes to show you how much uh the entire country is saddened by uh the loss of uh of a legend on a happier note muck bill Lionel messi showing his star form again in florida as major league soccer kicks off its 29th season interesting they were the only match kind of giving Messi, uh, you know, giving him the star billing. Yeah, you know how it goes when you have uh, the World Cup uh, winner and uh, arguable uh, potential greatest of all time uh, moving and coming all the way to the MLS, uh, you kind of have to make sure that he kind of gets his way in the development and uh, getting the eyeballs on the game. And Inter-Miami has been able to do just that. Uh, Interestingly enough, this was the debut of his um, um, long-standing teammate in Barcelona, um, Luis Suarez. Suarez. This was Suarez's first game for Inter-Miami, regular season game. Um, You know, he looked, he looked, Decent, you know, he looked decent, uh, but the team um, really is starting to gel, so it's going to be very, very fun to watch Inter Miami throughout the season for sure. Now, Muckbill, there was a little controversy uh, before the season kicked off. Uh, Messi did not play in exhibition matches in Hong Kong as well as Saudi Arabia. Uh, do you see him, you know, being 100% this year, or are fans going to have to really expect that he's going to sit out? matches occasionally i think it's one of those situations where uh it's a very unique situation to be in in that you do have other big names on this inter miami team unfortunately none of them are as big as messi so from a fan perspective when you have uh you know these exhibition games that are happening in particular like the the hong kong one i believe 
was it like 40,000 Messi fans mm, mm. came out there to see wow. Inter Miami play, but mainly to see Messi, right? And he doesn't play. It's kind of like what we talk about with this load management thing in uh, in basketball. When a fan or a kid or, or a family member, um, you know, buys a ticket for a child or for themselves, for all that matters, to come and see a superstar play and the superstar is unable to play or is unavailable to play, if it's injury, we'll kind of, you know, it, it, it's it's unexpected. But if it's like an intentional, hey, I'd rather not get hurt, that's where it kind of starts getting tricky and people really want to, you know, put their money to something and be able to see uh, these legendary players. Cause we also don't know how many more years we're going to see Messi. Play. Right. I mean, so, I think he's turning 37. This, absolutely. This year. And, and him playing at this level, you know, him and Cristiano are like really unbelievable. They're very similar to LeBron in basketball where that, you know, late in their thirties, they're still very, very uh, playing very, very well. So, you know, if I'm a fan and I get an opportunity to go watch into Miami and Messi doesn't play, and it wasn't kind of on the report stating mm. that, you know, he was injured. I'm kind of disappointed. I'm not going to lie. Well, Muckbill, let's turn to the UEFA Champions League. Your beloved gunners of Arsenal, they're going to have to come back at home against Porto. Uh, your thoughts on yesterday's match uh, as Arsenal falls 1-0? Yeah, Sonny, um, Arsenal is just coming back into Champs League, uh, not having been there for some years now. Um, coming off the last two performances in the EPL, uh, they won a combined 11-0. One game against uh, West Ham was a 6-0. Another game against uh, Burnley, I believe it was 5-0. So, um, you know, you kind of feel like they were on the right trajectory. They were heating up at the right time, hadn't really taken any losses in the new year. So we were expecting, I mean, from an analyst standpoint, mm. folks were expecting Arsenal to do well. And then, uh, you know, they play that Arteta style where, you know, they hold on to possession a lot. But unfortunately for them, they didn't have a single shot on target. Um, so, you know, ball possession, and we, spoke, we speak about this all the time, ball possession without doing anything with it is pretty much, uh, you know. I did, I did hear uh, before we came in a, a quote from the Porto coach. Yeah. How, how did that go again? Yeah, he said something along the lines of, uh, I think Arsenal was playing to, to hold the ball, but we were playing to win. Mm. Uh, or Arsenal wasn't playing to win. They were playing to have possession, and we were playing to win. So it was exactly that, 65% or a little more at certain times of the game, Arsenal had the ball, uh, where Porto had 30 to 35% of ball position, but every opportunity that they had, they were getting creative and they were creating things, right? So from a standpoint of creativity, even though they had less opportunities, every opportunity mattered for them. And that's kind of how they were able to get that last, uh, you know, opportunity that last goal was a screamer 93rd mm. minute uh david Rea, who who had a relatively good game in comparison to some of the other arsenal players uh was off his line a bit and uh you know porto saw it and and nailed it so uh, kudos to them playing in porto is not easy um and that's the thing with champs league this is a relatively younger arsenal team um and not having played in and not having experience in champions league uh probably does that to you so look to see a different and more poised team when they play at home it's always easier to play at home at the emirates so um i think it'll be different uh for the second leg but porto is definitely definitely a very very uh great opponent for Arsenal. So it sounds like you like Arsenal's chances of coming back in the second leg. I think I think uh, with 
the, the the setup, you know, now there's no more away goal rule that Champs League used to mm. have in the past where one away goal would equal to two goals basically on aggregate. Uh, now it's everything is just one and one. So being down one zero, it's not too tragic. It's not that big of a hole. Uh, like I mentioned, I think uh, Porto played as best as they could and Arsenal seemed to have figured them out but it was the lapse in judgment towards the end that kind of got them over the top and they're not going to have the 12th man with them uh in Arsenal uh against Arsenal when they play at home in London so we'll see but uh if if Porto ends up winning it it's not anything that is unexpected they are of a very high caliber as well so we'll see a little bit of history last time these two teams uh last time Arsenal was in Champions League they defeated Porto in order to get to the next level. So maybe rewriting of history, maybe a little different. We'll see. Muckbill in Naples, Italy, two of football's premier strikers. Both get on the score sheet. Victor Osiman for Napoli and Robert Lewandowski for Barcelona. They both score goals and the match ends one all. How do you see that tie? Yeah, Sonny, uh, the thing about that that's very interesting to me is uh, Barcelona, if we just look at the stats, Barca had 12 shots. They had twice as many shots as Napoli did. Uh, They had six shots on target to only one shot on target for Napoli. So Napoli was very clinical um, from the one opportunity that they got on target. Uh, Ball possession was relatively similar. 51 to 49, so almost 50-50 split. Um, Yeah, and outside of that, it wasn't wasn't too much of a different game it just was that whenever um barcelona got to that final third they were letting shots off um and quite a few of them uh you know got to the napoli goalkeeper so um kudos to him for keeping pretty much everything out except for lewandowski's uh goal in the 60th um i think these are two relatively evenly matched teams at least the way that they've been playing um barcelona has a lot of star power a lot of young star power They just haven't been able to figure it out just yet. I think when they do figure it out, uh, this will be a very, very dangerous team. Uh, Some of these players, Lamin Yamal is like, what, 16, 17 years old? Mm, You know, mm. you got a bunch of players under 20. Um, So this is a very young team that will potentially could be together for a really long time uh, if they're just able to figure it out. Muckbill, let's move to the English Premier League. Top of the table, Liverpool. Scores a big 4-1 victory over Luton. Van Dyke, Gakpo, Diaz, and Elliott with the goals for the Reds of Liverpool. Uh, your thoughts on that match? Yeah, uh, shout out to Liverpool and all of our, uh, you know, all of our <laughs> colleagues, you know. A lot of Liverpool our, fans our, in our, the office. Our guy, David <laughs> Vandy, was wearing all Liverpool today. Man, as if, as if they beat. You know, I mean, they beat Luton Town. You know, I mean, <laughs> shout out to Luton. You know, this is their first go around in EPL, but yep. uh, they're borderline about to get pushed back. Yeah, they're, the, they're in the relegation you know, they're, zone. They're in the relegation zone, and I feel really bad for Luton because of the fact that, Sonny, they've played a lot of really good games against a lot of tough competition this season and have not been able to pull any points from them. A bunch of top six teams that have played against Luton have found it very difficult. Luton has mm. gone up against some teams in the top six, uh, scored first, but have not been able able to keep them away so um kudos for the for the for the smaller team Luton Town um for trying you know and uh 
Hopefully they're able to, you know, get themselves out of that relegation zone at the moment. I believe they have 20 points. They're tied with Everton. Um, so maybe if they get a win in their next game, they can kind of just go up and uh, hopefully upward trajectory for them. But uh, as for the Reds, man, Liverpool are four points clear of uh, Man City. But Man City and Arsenal both have a game at hand, and they are also five points clear of Arsenal. So things can change on Saturday when uh, City and Arsenal both play. Six matches scheduled on Saturday in the Premier League, Muckbill. Uh, which which matches catch your eye? Um, for me, I'm looking at you know top three teams, and when they play, just because the points mean so much. So Man City goes up against Burnmouth. Uh, Burnmouth is in the 13th slot right now, and Arsenal against Newcastle. Newcastle's dropped a bit, and they are in the eighth slot, but they still still are a very difficult team to play against. Uh, so I will be interested to see uh, how those two games play out, um, as well as uh, Man United. United has started picking up a bit of traction. So United goes up against Fulham, and Fulham is in the 12th spot right now. So um, we'll see how that goes as well. Man City coming off a 1-0 win over Brentford, Muckbill. Uh, Erling Holland with the goal in the 71st minute. Uh, talk about that goal. Yeah, uh, to me that goal just looked like uh, Holland just wanting it more than anyone, right? Uh, they had a very, very difficult game all game uh, didn't have very many opportunities up front and there was even one opportunity where they had it and the uh, uh, defender uh, Burnley defender basically kicked it off the line so Burnley was really playing a very tough physical match uh, against Man City KDB was not playing Kevin De Bruyne was not playing um, for whatever reason, I'm not sure if he was injured or potential injury risk or if he was being saved for uh, Carabao Cup games. Uh, there could be a possibility sometimes when you have that many players of that quality, maybe you give a rest to a player of that quality because he's coming off of a serious injury. You don't really want to play him too much if you don't have to. Uh, so um, I'm not too sure, but they definitely missed him in the mid uh, in the midfield area. Uh, but yeah, Holland just got the ball, you know, from a pass, uh, around a little past mid and really just kind of worked for it himself. Last defender slipped right in front of him, unfortunately. And he, you know, just buried it. Now it looks like Holland, he now has 17 goals in the premier league with the uh, questionable health of Mo Salah. It looks like Holland is once again, again, going to be the top goal scorer. De definitely, definitely possible. Mo Salah has been back now uh, for Liverpool, uh, so it's possible he starts uh, banging in some goals for them. But Liverpool seems like they're similar to Arsenal a little bit, whereby they, they seem to be having a plethora of different goal scorers in all of their matches. So their goals are coming from different spaces, whereas City just kind of seems like when the machine of Erling Haaland gets going, they're going to want at least a goal or two from him. And then everyone else is kind of like supplementary. Uh, whereas Arsenal, in the games where they've scored five, they've had from defenders like Saliba to Gabriel scoring to Odegaard to Rice to Saka to Martinelli. It's kind of like we don't really know, and because we don't, because Arsenal doesn't have that go-to Holland type of striker, 
it's kind of a collective effort to score goals. So there's there's pros and cons to that, as we all know. Uh, the pros is that you know you really don't know where the goals will come from. Pl- uh, plenty of opportunities, but the problem is you don't have that one guy who you know can just go one on one against anybody. Um, so maybe see uh, Arsenal might make a, a a run for somebody like Osimhen. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, Ivan Tony was in conversation a while ago. Uh, so we'll see. I think that position is still. Uh, one of the biggest question marks for Arsenal uh, potentially uh, going further, not only in Champs League, but uh, trying to close the gap in, in the EPL. Finally, Muckbill, uh, as I look at the table in the Premier League, uh, five points separate the top three teams, Liverpool at the top, Man City in second place, uh, your Gunners in third. Uh, do you see this relatively tight race continuing until the end of the season? We have... Uh, Liverpool has 12 matches remaining, Man City 13. Uh, how do you see this race going down to the wire? Yeah, I, I definitely see that uh, Liverpool has shown that uh, they want to keep the distance as much as they can. Uh, you never really want to show uh, Man City that, you know, kind of they're kind of like sharks, right? If there's blood in the water, <laughs> they're coming for it. So they're within striking range. But I kind of like Arsenal's position in that, you can kind of keep that pressure going on both City and Liverpool. When you're playing from that top position, sometimes it's too much pressure when there are still too many games out. So uh, I'm looking to see. It's definitely going to go down to the wire for all three of those teams. I don't see them dropping way too many points. So maybe when they clash with each other, Liverpool, Man City, it'll, it'll be uh, maybe hopefully they draw for, for the sake of the Gunners. <laughs> Talking Premier League with my VOA colleague, Muckbill Yabarro. Thank you, Muckbill. Thanks, Sonny. Thanks to Muckbill also for his production duties this evening. Thanks also to VOA engineer, Saida Hamdoun. And thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, and that's the sunny side of sports.